0: I was waiting for the clock to hit exactly 7:15 in honor of our founding pastor David Marini we will be on time um, Oh it's off the 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 vent isn't on yeah 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 No it's off it's off you you you'd hear it if it was if it was gone you can hear that uh HVAC from everywhere Anywho, good evening, good to see everybody tonight, and um, always good to gather together. I want to just encourage everyone, continue to pray for our sweet uh, sister Michelle. Her mother went home to the Lord this morning at 4 a.m., praising God that she and Pastor David were able to get there, um, so Michelle was able to be with her. But let's just keep them in prayer for the peace, comfort, grace, the mercy of the Lord to just be over them, and um, also keeping in prayer their family members that don't know the Lord. this could be a time that they really look up and and come to think about salvation and eternity um, and really the Lord using Michelle and using Pastor David in that. So please keep that in prayer. And I think within the time of prayer that we gather tonight, there's so many different testimonies that were shared uh, that just point to the Lord's faithfulness. Um, And I would say we just... We heard about the resolution with Durham County about the ceasefire, which was really just something to say and put down Israel and put down God's people. And we need to be in prayer for Durham. We need to be in prayer for that. Um, I encourage you to talk to our sister Suzanne if you haven't heard the testimony of what took place with her yesterday. And it's just an example of what it is to faithfully go before the Lord to seek his will on something and to see the body of believers in prayer as that was going. And it's just that reminder of how we need to be, be doing things. Um, pray for Pastor Jeff and Linda that they get back from Florida safely. He's currently right now teaching at C.C. Gainesville tonight and will be preaching there on Wednesday. And I just encourage us to be praying for our body of believers here. Uh, Men study, women study, the things going on with women. There's just so much beautiful everything taking place within the church, and I just pray that we just continue to be the church that the Lord needs us to do, and just pray for the boldness within the body of believers that we go forth with truth boldly. It's essential. Um, And continue, brothers and sisters, to pray for Israel. We need to keep that in prayer. We can't, you know, time goes on, and something happens, and everybody's talking about it, and then as time goes on, you hear about it less and less and less, and we need to be reminded Every time we gather, we need to keep praying for that, and we need to be praying for salvation on both sides. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness, Heavenly Father, Lord. We just continue to lift up Michelle, Lord, to you, the family, Pastor David, Lord, and just be with them amidst this time, Lord, and we thank you that we know where Shirley is, Lord God, with you. And Heavenly Father, I just continue to pray that this would have the family members that don't know you look to you, those that don't know you cling to you even more, Heavenly Father, and that they would share and that they would be bold in their sharing, that the names that need to be written in the book of life from this are written in the book of life, Lord. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness that we just see in you and the testimony shared at prayer tonight, Lord God. And just give thanksgiving that you hear our prayers, Lord. Father, thank you for this precious church. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the foundation laid 20 years ago, Lord God. And to be able to continue to just use the open door you've given, Lord to share the word in this region, Lord, and to have our hands in other places. We thank you, Lord, for what you did with that trip to Tunisia, Heavenly Father. We pray for every single person that Pastor David, Dan, and Ava had interaction with, Lord God, that the fruit that is needed would be coming forth from that, Heavenly Father, that you would be with those brothers and sisters in that region, Lord, that you would help them share, Heavenly Father, that... Just everything that you need to take place takes place for your glory, Lord, and bring to remembrance the conversations that were had, the scripture that was given, the lessons that were given, as are needed, Lord. And tonight, Heavenly Father, be with us as we open your word, as we open to receive the manna you have for us this night, Lord God. We thank you for the gift of your word, Lord. How precious it is, Heavenly Father. Be with us as we go through it, Holy Spirit. Lead and guide me. And Father God, show us what you need us to write on our hearts, what you need us to prayerfully ponder with you, Lord, that we can be closer to you and run the race for your glory unashamedly. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So last week, we were in Psalm 28, and we're continuing to journey through the book of Psalms, and last week's message was entitled Heard, and we got to see the gift again of David's prayer life and how he pursues the Lord how he goes before him and the lessons that we can learn from his steadfastness and how he seeks the Lord out in the trials and the storms and whatever comes how he's continuing to go before him and the focus in that psalm as we saw was God alone that's who he prayed to that's who he went to there was distress all around him but once again David takes that to the Lord He goes to God, he cries out to God, he gives the reality of the situation to God, he takes the emotions of the distressful moment to God, but in each time we see something he does, he looks to the character and faithfulness of God, and as he does that, everything turns to faith for him, and in that we saw him worship and praise the heavenly Father, that we serve. And in that worship and praise, we also saw statements that he gave that were words of faith, statements of who God is, what God does, what God has done, what God will do and should impact the way that we pray. And we saw David knew something really important. Now, remember, David, who was strong, David, who could have done whatever was needed to do oftentimes when he was in distress, knew his strength was not his own. His strength was. Was God? God was his strength. And that was something we explored last week. Homework check-in, charge check-in. How'd you do one? What distress or worry or problem do you have right now that you need to look upwards unto God, that you need to recall who he is, that you need to turn your worries into worship? Is there anything like that even now in your life that you need to do? That's a timeless practice that we should have as believers. It's the same thing that we've talked about as we go through Psalms that our default as believers needs to be prayer. Something comes up, prayer. Not intellect, not academia, not Google, not Dr. Google, prayer. That's what we need to go to. Two, examine your prayer life. In your prayer life, last week, part of the charge, do you have words of faith within your prayer and praise? Do you know and believe in your heart, I'm heard by my creator? Think about that. When you pray, do you know I'm heard right now? Do you remind yourself of his strength? Do you remind yourself that he's your shield? Do you remind yourself he's your shepherd, the love and care that he has? What scriptures do you need to bring into your prayer life? Do you pray scripture? Again, three Who must you tell of the wrath to come and the only escape? And that was just looking as we see this and praying for that boldness. But in our culture, everything and anything goes but talking about Jesus. And we can't idly stand by in that. We can't just say, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to go there or they don't want to hear that. No, we got to boldly share. We've got to boldly share. So we have to continue to explore these things, continue to have the Lord seek and search within your heart to know where do I need to change? Lord, what scripture do you need to lay on my heart that I put into prayer, that I put into practice? And as you do that, asking him for a filling from his Holy Spirit, fill me anew. Give me your strength. Give me your wisdom. Give me your discernment. Help me to look to your faithfulness. Now, tonight we're going to be going on into Psalm 29. And the title of tonight's message is Enthroned Forever. Enthroned Forever. Question, do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about God, the God we serve, reigns forever? He's on the throne. That God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Same God who hears your prayer. Same God who sent his son for you reigns forever. It's the same God, it's the song, and Pastor David had that joke, there's a great song we're gonna have on the video that we watched, and it was that new song that we've been doing, Only a Holy God. And it's that same God, who else could rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy Do you think about that? Do you think about the intimacy of that? Do you think about who our king is? Knowing storms are going to come and go. And we're going to see a storm described tonight. And with the storms coming and going, you might be in a storm this very moment. Everything could feel like it's falling apart. Or you might feel like everything is coming at you at once Or perhaps you look at stuff that needs to be done and you feel overwhelmed. Perhaps you look at the world and you think, oi! Perhaps in the midst of the storms of life, you're in that place where we often say in the storms, why? Or we say, how? And perhaps there's something before you right now in life that seems impossible or it seems unfair. Or you're saying, why? Now, we've looked at the Lament Psalms where that same sentiment can be seen, and we just talked about what does David do? Goes to the faithfulness of God. Tonight, we're going to see a different type of psalm, but in it, we're going to be reminded storms are going to be present, but one is in control always. One has all the power. One has all the might. One has all the strength. Who is it? God. And when we remember that, it should have us give him glory. It should have us praise him. Because we're going to be reminded tonight, he will give you strength and peace. And think about the last storm you were in in life. Did you want some strength and peace? Who doesn't want that, right? Men, only the Lord works the way that he does because where we were in Jonah last night so ties in beautifully to the psalm that we're gonna be looking at because we saw that storm that Jonah's in, we saw the polytheistic mariners within there and we're gonna see that tie to that tonight but it is just that beautiful moment where I encourage us, look at the scripture the Lord has you looking at in your devotional time, in Wednesday, all the times I say this all the time but do it and see what the Lord is communicating to you, his child. He's your father. That's what he does with his word. Now, this psalm, it's another psalm of David. It's categorized as a worship psalm and it seeks to exalt and give glory unto God. As you look at this psalm, it's also a royal psalm because it ever so clearly points to the sovereign reign of our triune God, the sovereign reign of the one and only Almighty. We're gonna see David ascribe glory to the Lord. We're going to see David remind us God is in control of all things, including nature. We're going to see David remind us God reveals who he is through nature. We see that in creation. We see that in Romans 1 where they have no excuse. We think about that because the creation is there. We're going to see the blessing that God promises his people, strength and peace. As you go through this psalm, you're going to see that capital L-O-R-D, Lord. If you count it, you're going to see 18 of them in 11 verses. You're going to see the voice of the Lord seven times in this psalm with the different ways he speaks through nature. You're going to see glory four times. You're going to see give three times, urging us right at the onset of this psalm what we need to give the Lord, which is praise. This is a psalm of pure praise. The Jewish people would use this during the Feast of Pentecost. And as you read this, you're going to see how through the thunder being God's voice, it is also applicable to the church today. Now, before we read the psalm, there's two kind of pretexts. And sometimes, well, we have those pretexts because if we're thinking about worship, if we're thinking about praise, I want to remind you of Psalm 15, which we looked at. And just turn there, we're just going to read it, because when we went through Psalm 15, we were reminded of the character that we need to have, the heart we need to have within worship. We read in Psalm 15, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Who can go before you and worship? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Heart. It's about the heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. That good, healthy, reverend all. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at the usury. He nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. And I just have us look at that because do you prepare your heart? Do you prepare yourself? Do you go to the Lord before you come to worship and praise? Do you really go to him? And now there's times as we know where that worry comes, go to worship. But when you're worshiping, do you go and say, Lord, search my heart? And we were reminded last night, men, with uh, Jonah, if we look at Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So another piece of that worship, that praising him and going before him as we prepare ourselves, as we search our hearts, we've got to also have the muscle built of repentance. And I think that reminds me we also need to pray for the church to actually preach conviction because that's a nasty word in our culture today. Don't convict me. We need conviction. That's what the Lord does. That's how he refines us. That's how he works in us. Now, the other pretext that I want us to look at is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat each upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Do you ponder the ways God reveals himself before we go into this text tonight? Because we saw and we heard that beautiful report from Tunisia and we saw how Pastor David reminded of the, and shared really, not even reminded of the God surprises that took place on that trip. And I pray that The testimony of that trip really helps those who seek to just intellectualize and put the Holy Spirit in a comfortable box and the works of God in a comfortable box where it doesn't have to seem, quote, weird, see the truth. That's my prayer there, because time and time again, I find myself praying for people just disconnected from his spirit in the name of being academic, in the name of being intellectual, the name of being reformed, the name of being right, and they box God. They box things and they feel good about themselves as they do it and give themselves a pat on the back. But as we'll see today, you can't place limits on the Lord God Almighty. He is enthroned forever. We're not enthroned. I'm not enthroned. He is enthroned forever. And if you're living in communion, if you're living Psalm 15, searching your heart, if you're living in repentance, then guess what? Our mighty God who's there. You have one thing that you're going to do. You're going to praise him. And I say, a saint who can't sing praise unto the Lord is a saint who ain't surrendered. That's my thought, and I'm sticking to it. They're not surrendered. Because if you really are surrendered and know him, whoo, you're going to sing unto him. Now, another interesting thing about the psalm, before we dig in, is during the time period with the context of Canaanite and Phoenician poetry at the time, we're going to see this mighty storm that comes up. But the Canaanites, when they think about storm, they would have believed that Baal, the god that they called the god of fertility and storms, was always in control of this. So they would think that any storm that's coming, any heavy winds, Baal is bringing this. And if it's happening on the sea, then they're going to point to the god of yam because yam is doing it. So you got yam, you got Baal, you got sweet potato. No, there's one god. Right. We know this, but they have all these gods and men. It's just what we looked at last night in Jonah, where we saw what did the mariners do? They all started crying out to different gods. And this psalm is a beautiful reminder that even though it uses the same Canaanite structure that you'll see within their poetry, the same parallelism, the same references, Baal, Yam, ain't the god of creation. There is one god of creation. And I think that's why when we look at this, you see that name 18 times. Because the Lord is making it clear. Any God that you're going to try to point to this, fake. There is one God. There is one covenant God. So that's an insight that's going to tie to our application at the end. Ultimately, this is a psalm of praise. And praising God is what it's all about. So let's dig in. Verse 1. Give unto the Lord Oh, you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So we see two verses and three times we see that give, give, give. It's that call to action. You have to give unto him. Now, he starts this by, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. So you first have to see, who are you mighty ones? There's two trains of thoughts with that. Because if you look within the Hebrew text, it really looks as sons of God, which points to angelic beings, angels. But then there is also the school of thought that this has to do with just God's people. You can see both. I personally lean towards seeing this as the angelic beings and the application to all people. Now, as we go forward with that, that give is to a scribe. And who are you giving it to? The capital L O R D Lord. That covenant name, that name of Reverend Awe, that Y H V H that no Hebrew will pronounce or say. That's who we're talking about. Give to the Lord what? Glory and strength. Strength in one alone, God. That's why it's giving him the glory and the strength. Because he's the supreme one. He's the ultimate one. Give unto the Lord the glory. Do his name. Because he alone is worthy. The God of creation is the only one worthy. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now the word there, worship, is to bow down. And if we think about when we worship... We're bowing down our will. We're bowing down our mind. We're surrendering. And if we think about that definition of that word, then it means then worship is how we live. Your life is worship. How you live is worship. How you live is a song unto the Lord. Obedience to the word of God, to his will, is worship. I've said this and we've looked at that, but Romans 12, turn there with me or I'll just read it. We know it, many of you have it. Romans 12, one and two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. To give it all to him, it's your reasonable service. And if you struggle with that, imagine if Jesus struggled with taking the cross for us. It's a reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Worship the Lord. You want to worship the Lord. It's how you live. And we're called to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, the beauty of holiness, I think that's something culturally we've really lost. Because beauty is put in lust, beauty is put in the flesh, but the beauty of holiness. It ties to what we saw in Psalm 27, 4. I think to worship in the beauty of holiness is that heart that says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's it. To behold the beauty of holiness. To be holy for he is holy. That's what hits there. So these first two verses open with the call to ascribe, to give the worship unto God that he is due because he is God. All strength, his. All glory, his. Because of that, worship. What does that mean? Bow down. What does that mean? Surrender. Where in the beauty of his holy. It's looking at who he is. It's looking at what he's done in his greatness, his might, his power, his strength. You can't not but bow down at what he's done. David then shifts and he now starts to expound upon that. And this is where we start to get the portraits of nature and the storm. And that's where the ideas of Baal would come up for the Canaanites at this time. But again, there's only one truly in control, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That same God who created nature is in control of it forever. Verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. Now, if we think about those waters and the storm starting on the waters, the region where this is hitting is coming from the west over the Mediterranean Sea. And we think back, men, and everyone here who knows Jonah, we think about that storm, right? We think about when the storm came, what do the pagans do? Cry out to whoever. You call yours, you call yours. How many people are here? If each calls onto it, okay, one of them's got to be, right? There's one God. There's one God. And that's who we have to go to, the Lord. And what is this Lord? Over the waters. Ancient Hebrews weren't truly sea folks. So the sea, when it would be going, they would see danger. They would see concern in the Canaanites, that's where they point to Yam, the God, see, whatever you want to call Yam, is the one that's causing it. No, it's the Lord. And when you know that, there doesn't have to be that fear because you realize it's the triune God and you remember at creation, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Triune God is present from creation. So there need not be that fear The God of glory thunders, thunder, his voice there. And the Lord is over many waters. He spoke it into existence and he is in control over it. Then verse four, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. David now hits the Lord's strength in his creation. And it applies if we think of this, the voice of the Lord, powerful, full of majesty. What's the voice of the Lord that we all have today? The word of God. Powerful, full of majesty. David now hits the power moving on to the next section of God's voice. And it should remind us of the power of his word. It should remind us of that. We're going to see him talk about cedars in a moment. These are known for their strength. They're known for their size. And we're going to see what happens to these cedars. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. His voice doing this. This is all different actions taking place. But when we think of the voice and we tie it to the word, remember Hebrews 4.12. For the word of the w- God is what? living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the word of God. The word that we write in our hearts, that we don't sin against him. The word that you're holding in your hand or on your screen. That is what it is. Powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword living, powerful. And that's the same voice that splinters the cedars of Lebanon, these huge, strong trees. Done. He makes them also skip like a calf. It's the power to move them. It should make you think if you've seen a hurricane, or I think many of us have seen when the news has hurricanes and you're looking at that tree and it's bent completely over and you're like, whoa, it looks like rubber. That's what's taking place with this powerful storm. And he makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire, lightning. And if you think about lightning, if you think about what takes place, there's about 10 million kilowatts of power within a thunderstorm, typically. That's a lot that the Lord is able to do, to move. And if we think about Pentecost, what we read in Acts, it's that fire that came. So when we look at this portrait of this mighty thing of creation, David, the outdoorsman, is, is probably, I wonder if he was seeing a storm. And that's when he thought of all these things and gives praise to the Lord. But it has to have you also find for yourself what in creation has you magnify God? What for you, when you get in creation, reminds you of the power of God? For me, when I, if I'm out in the ocean, it's like, whoa. It gets moving. Whoa. What in creation shows you, points you to the power of the Lord that we serve? Then verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says glory. So we see the power and might of this storm. It causes a doe that's near birth to give birth. We see the power of the storm strip a forest bare. Picture that. The storm comes, boom, forest down. Now, when we look at these verses 3 to 9, it's an important thing to see the journey that's traveled. When we started with the sea, I mentioned it's traveling over the Mediterranean. Then it breaks in its full fury over the mountains of Lebanon, goes over to Syria, which is Mount Hermon. Then it goes down the length of Canaan and finally passes out of sight and sound into the wilderness of Kadesh. That's the region that this is covering. I sh- you know my map dorkness. I almost did it tonight, but I didn't want to have Brent doing too many things one night, so we didn't. But it's fascinating. Get a map out tonight and look at it. It can be a fun activity when you get home. But vast, mighty, the storm comes. It impacts a lot. It travels all over. And I see a portrait here. God's voice as that storm reminds his word travels to many. And I think it also needs to remind us of the power of God's word. To take down strongholds. And something that I think we need to be in prayer for. Within the culture that we're in. But the power of his word. 2 Corinthians 10. Be reminded. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ. Because guess what worship is? Obedience. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And when obedience is fulfilled for the believer, that's revival, folks. You want revival? Pray for obedient believers. Because that means we're in repentance. That means we're walking in the spirit. That means we're worshiping. Because we're bowing down how we live. Then you get to the end of verse 9 and we see what do those then do that are in his temple. And in his temple, everyone says glory. Now that portrait there in the temple, that's under his safety. They see the storm, they see it all going on, they see all that he's doing and it's glory. Because under the vantage point of safety and security from God alone, you then can see the awesome power of God. And in the midst of that, all that one can do is say And we have to then ask ourselves, where is our safety today? Safety and refuge for the believer today in the word of God. We have the word of God. Where else is our safety and refuge? 1 Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's our safety and security today. The promise of what to come. Now, that doesn't mean to be clear that we then put our hands under ourselves and we're rapture waiters. Waiter is the trumpet. You've got to be about the work of the Lord. You've got to be about going and saying, there is wrath coming. There is destruction coming. You think the Holocaust was bad. This makes it look like cake. You need to know there's a Savior, Jesus. And we've got to pray for that boldness, that people do that. But that's our safety and security. Where is our safety and security? Revelation 3, verse 10. Because you have kept my commandment, this is to the faithful church, to preserve. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The Bible doesn't say anything about a rapture. Just gave you two verses in case you need that. Because you do in our time. Because if you look at our culture right now, it is not coincidence, brothers and sisters. I, I don't know if anybody else notices, all different people percolating up to challenge there's no rapture. Don't be deceived into believing that there's a rapture. Don't be deceived by that. If a preacher is telling you they're a rapture, they're a false teacher. No. That's, that's not the reality. Well, it's all came from Darby. No, it's not from Darby. It's from the word of God. And Enoch and Elijah were given as Old Testament examples to prepare us with the reality. It's going to happen. So we need to be vigilant about that. We need to be aware of that. That's our safety and security. That we know that we know. And what do we do with it? We bow down. And bowing down is how we live our lives, which is a living sacrifice. In obedience. Unto our faithful king in obedience to who he is. Again, I like to think of that outdoorsman David seeing that massive storm and the power of the Lord. And I think then maybe that's when he pondered the flood that came. Because look at verse 10 of our text back in Psalm 29. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever. The word flood there that you see in the Hebrew, you're only going to find it again in Scripture in Genesis 6 to 11 where we see of the flood. It's the only other time that you're going to see that word. And the storm of the flood, what was it used to do? Give safety to Noah and his family. But what was it also used to do? Cast judgment on the world. Now we go back to what we just looked at with the rapture. What is it used to do? We, the believers, his bride, we get safety from the great tribulation. That brings upon judgment. God is king and he is judge. How long? Forever. And David knows this. And the storm continues. And then we get the final verse that he gives. Verse 11. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. God's promise and blessing to his people. Strength. Peace. Peace. Psalm 29 has an important application. We see a mighty storm in this psalm. Who is it over? Who's over it? God. God's over this storm, right? There's a storm, and in the midst of the storm, what does God do for his people? He protects them, seeing in the midst, and he he protects as they're giving him the glory. He strengthens them, and he gives them peace. So, what's the application? What does that mean for you and me? One, storms are going to come in life and you may be in one now. And if you're in it, a question I have for you, do you sing in the storm? It's like that old musical uh, singing in the rain, not asking you to get an umbrella and sing, but do it singing in the rain. Do you sing in the storm Two. do you prayerfully seek God's presence, voice and hand in the storm for he is over it. God is over the storm. That means his voice is present if you look for it. And we have to realize with the storm, sometimes the storm, just like Jonah, God allows it to get our attention, to get our attention and focus. Because think about what the story of Jonah shows. God gave his word and the storm comes and he shifts now to works to try to get his attention. Sometimes the storm comes to actually pave the way for the next chapter of your life. Sometimes the storm comes to protect us from something much worse. Sometimes the storm comes to eliminate burdens. Sometimes the storm comes, not sometimes, all the time to refine us. The storm comes all the time to refine us. James 1, my brethren, count it all what? Joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then it talks about the wisdom, and you ask with full faith, not doubting tossed about in the sea, but in full faith, and he gives it to you through his word. And in the storm, he gives us strength, and he gives us his peace. Think of who our king is, is. If we look at Philippians 2, we're reminded of who our king is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross." And then recall the power of his name. Verse 9, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's who's over the storm. You got a storm in your life give it a name and then guess what Jesus's name is above the name of the storm that you got because it's the name above every other as such seek him draw unto him give him the glory and praise he is due and then as you battle on within the storm remember finally my brethren Ephesians six ten: be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might it's the same thing that we see within this Repeatedly from David, the Lord's strength. It's not about our strength. It's not about us trying to do it or make control. And then write on your heart, First, Second uh, Timothy one seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and God is sovereign over all. And then, as you look at that, go back and read Psalm twenty nine in the storm. And give him praise. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And then look at how it ends. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. It's a strength sandwich. It's God's strength that has to surround us. That we have to immerse ourselves into. Because it starts and finishes with his strength. And guess what? That yields his peace. Because you know who's in control. You know who has it. So charge for this week. One. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We read that in verse two. Can you seek to do that this week ahead? Can you seek to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness? Can you examine your heart before you worship? Can you look at how your life is being lived? What's your song unto him? Right now, we all look like good believers in the Lord. We're all sitting with our Bibles and taking notes. What's your song when you're not with us? What's your song when you're all alone? What's it like then? What's your thought life like? How are you to the daughter men that the Lord has given you to love on and care for? How are you doing, daughters? How are you doing, young adults? What's your song? Can you explore how you're living? Does your life radiate obedience to the Lord as a worship song? God set us apart. Do you live set apart? Something you have to ask yourself. Two, where in creation can you see or hear the voice of God? Take time to commune with his creation. Ponder how powerful he is. Ponder how majestic he is. Ponder how mighty he is. How strong our God is. And that he alone is over all. It's that same Psalm 27 verse 4. Just to be in his presence. But get out in creation to do that. Because we serve the God of creation. What of creation points you to him? That reminds you of his might. His strength. And three... What storm or battle are you in? And when that next storm comes, what is it? Give it a name and prayerfully remind yourself you serve the name above it, Jesus. And then pray verse 11. Ask Him, give me scripture, Lord, to give me strength within this storm. When storms come, we're so quick to take this, which we should anchor into, and put it here. We go to books. We go to every other thing. And and you you have even people who claim to be believers saying, you don't need to pray about everything that you're going to do. What? You do need to pray about everything. And if you think that you don't, I pray you get on your knees and repent and wake up to the truth of God and stop fooling yourself. We pray about everything. Because we're in communion with our Lord. We're in communion with our Savior. And as you pray, you ask him, give me your word, Lord to know how to live, to know what you need me to do. Because I, when we read verse 11, the Lord will give strength to his people. What was the strength for the Lord in the wilderness? It is written, it is written, it is written. This is the strength. If you're not in it, if you're not immersed in it, you're not gonna have that strength. And you have to pray for that strength in the midst of that storm. And then know he gives peace you know who's in control. You know how it ends. And when you get through it, what happened in the wilderness for Jesus? Turn to Matthew 4. We're going to turn there really quick. And when we look at that portion, at the end of it, verse 11, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The storm hit and at the end, staying steadfast in the word, staying steadfast in the Lord. The devil leaves him. Angels come and minister to him. Take your why God to him. Seek his glory, seek his strength and cherish his peace. But you've got to take it to him. You've got to lean it to him. You've got to give it all unto him because he's the glory. He's the strength. He's in control. Psalm 29 is such a powerful portrait of God's sovereign rule over everything. And then if we think about storms, God is in control, period. No matter what it is, God is in control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you that you are the God who created, that you are the God that is over all creation, that you are the God who is in control. Thank you for your sovereignty, Lord. Father, help us to truly let our lives be that pleasing worship song unto you, Lord. Help us to be a people who obey you. Help us to give you the glory that you are due, Lord, Help us to praise you, Father, for you are worthy of all praise. Heavenly Father, thank you for the promise of giving us your strength. Thank you for the promise of ushering in your peace. Lord, I pray that you help us to live with that eternal perspective, Lord, that we know where we're gonna be, that we comfort one another, Lord. Help us to truly comfort one another with the blessed hope of you rapturing your bride. Lord, as we comfort one another with that, may the reminder spark a fire in us to help those currently rejecting unto wrath. Help us, Lord, give us a boldness to share who you are. Give us a boldness, Lord, in our prayer. Father, I pray you help each and every single one of us to worship, bow down, surrender. Let your Holy Spirit fill us afresh, that we glorify you, that we exalt you. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, and we worship you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Have a beautiful night.